0: Homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome everyone back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Brewing Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
1: And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Dave is in his vampire mode today. Good to hear it. He's Got a little pep in his step, which isn't normal for Dave. So normally, usually he's kind of come
0: in a little lethargic. Dave, I think you're fired up today. I like this. Yeah, or just, you know, got the blood sugar going. You know, who knows? Who knows what's happening? I don't. I certainly don't. Nothing's happening in the world. We're just, we're locked in. Still. We're locked in.
1: And we're not in the same room, which I'm glad I wouldn't want Dave to bite my neck and suck my blood. I don't know what's going on there, but we'll just kind of roll with it. We got a lot of news today newsy stuff going around in the world of sports maybe some more optimism i keep saying that every week uh hopefully that keeps coming we got a lot of stuff from john wilner because he's great at his job and we're not great at ours so we'll talk about what he said you could also email us at gmail.com if you have any questions we got some questions uh in there i think hopefully the president stuff is kind of tapering off but i don't know i haven't looked at them yet
0: because um, I would take, um, we've be, still got a little bit of president stuff. We have moved into World War II um, Ooh, stuff a little bit I like more. That. I like that. So yeah. we've got we've got a few different things to talk about.
1: I am more well versed in the World War II history since I've read many of those books than the presidential history. You seem, uh, you
0: seem like a Stephen Ambrose guy.
1: Oh, I think I have one. I think I have one. Let me look. You I got, seem I got like my, a,
0: a citizen soldier type guy. It seems like you you'd, you'd be into that
1: yeah I don't know i I just always enjoyed it uh I had been to Japan and like Germany and then I got to travel to Russia and see you know some of the stuff just checking out some of the museums a lot harder to want to you know if you go to Japan like everything's in English like you go to Europe everything's in English you go to Russia like you need someone there to translate Because it's all in Russian there's no yeah so uh maybe whole, whole it's a different
0: alphabet whole different alphabet man yeah, the similar thing out oh God yeah stuff
1: just yeah you no, try to can't. like
0: Street signs and stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's not uh, easy. But I've I've
0: well, enjoyed, some of I've the not... letters and some of the letters like they look like you know vaguely like you know your your common everyday alphabet, but they're not. Like no. that's not that's not what that letter means. It is
1: not easy. But I'm looking forward to some World War II kind of questions. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about whatever you guys want. And so we've just kind of uh, morphed into whatever this can be. In the offseason, but there is some really newsy stuff we could talk about. Um, if you want to call or text us, you can still do that 424 678 If you want to tweet us at Pac 12 Podcast or the website is Pac12podcast.com and on Reddit, we're Reddit.com slash R slash Podcast of Champions. For the, for the, I'm not a Reddit, I'm not like fluent in Reddit. Is that how you would say it? Like, do you say, podcast of champions on reddit or should i say like the full slash r slash podcast of champions like how does that work like a reddit person would know where to find it what is that how's that work dave
0: well i I, i'm baffled that you're asking me how something works (laughs) well i figured this you know look you want an obscure fact about byzantine history i'm your guy you want to know how something works i'm not your guy
1: um Yeah, I figured you knew more about Reddit than I do, but let us know. Like, tell me.
0: I I, I think I think reading off the R podcast of champions. I think anybody who's ever been to Reddit will understand.
1: Okay, Uh, but yes, right. Let us know if you're a Reddit. You're you're fluent in the in the Reddit lingo. Tell me if I sound like an idiot by reading that. Sound like an idiot normally, but just specifically about that. uh, That'd be great. But also, hey, we want you to subscribe. On our Apple Podcast feed. Wherever you get it, like say you got an Android phone, you're subscribing there. They don't allow um, Google doesn't allow ratings and things like that. We really want to focus on the Apple Podcast. So any kind of Apple device you have, the Apple Podcasting app, go in there, go right now, leave us five stars, some couple sentences is just why you think this is a great podcast. We've had so many funny reviews. Uh, we do appreciate we all of more? That.
0: We got some more. Ooh, we got some well, more. Yeah, I want to hear some. All right, we got one from Dogs808, five stars. Uh, subject line, Browning Super Rocket Cannon Gun. Good job, guys. Keep the amazing content coming. Go, Dogs. Hang loose with the uh, with the hand. Oh, you can loose. do
1: that on the con- – I didn't even know you could do that.
0: Yes, but- you can these days. Uh, this is from Polish Rocket, five stars. Uh, subject line, uh, five out of seven stars. An oldie but a goodie uh, joke there. Uh, Ryan and Dave put together an entertaining show while putting forth very little effort or preparation. Ryan seems to do 99% of the little work they actually do. While, Ra- while Dave, I almost said rave. Uh, while Dave, that's, that's my name, and I almost, I, I did, I did, I did fuck it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> while Dave just shows up, you would think this would make for a terrible show, but they put t- together something very entertaining, even when they aren't talking football. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. We got one from GoDogs1992. Perfect podcast for the Pac 12 fan. If you're a fan of the Pac 12 or any specific team in the Pac 12, this is the podcast for you. There is something special about our beloved conference that you can't get anywhere else, whether it's the unique and varied blend of individual schools, the refs who seem like they may actually be flipping coins to determine penalties, or the blundering and ineffectual chairman who leads the conference. Shout out Champagne Larry. One thing is certain, this conference is unpredictably fun. That's the same way I feel about the podcast of champions. You never know what's coming, but you know it will be tangentially related to the Pac-12 football and that it will lead to a few hours of enjoyment. The duality of Ryan's unrelenting positivity and Dave's sarcastic negativity perfectly fits the subject matter, where opinions on individual teams and the conference as a whole can and will swing drastically on a week-to-week basis. You come to the POC for the football opinions, but you stay for the thirty-minute discussions on the best, worst U.S. presidents, and which head coach could beat up his school's mascot. <laughs> wow, well, I don't think we've done that one, but that one's actually pretty good. I, I do like that. <laughs> uh, keep up the great work and go dogs. That's from Jay in Seattle. Uh, we've got one from BB Mars. Great, really great pod. I enjoy the humor and all the information on the Pac-12. Ryan and Dave work really well together. I appreciate you two taking the time to give us. A show fight on brian from reno wow that was just sincere wow that was nice thanks Uh, brian
1: from reno we get the uh, i mean we we like regular ones too like regular nice ones but the 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 roundabout funny ones with the inside jokes i mean it's amazing how many great ones you guys have come up with so we, we appreciate it
0: here's a good one uh from saunders in dc five stars Already regret giving this pod five stars. Um, I've been a loyal listener for two plus years now, and I'm not entirely sure why. I'm not a Pac-12 fan, and I live on the East Coast. Uh, In all seriousness, despite David's best efforts, the pod actually provides actionable information about Pac-12 teams and players, whether you are a college football fanatic or gambling degenerate. Uh, The most helpful episodes, earmuffs, David, are the spring previews, which provide a nice state of the program snapshot for those diehards who are beginning their off season prep. In-season content is equally as useful. In all, this is an informative and entertaining podcast that is well worth the one-plus-hour time commitment each week. This podcast, however, may not be for you if you are a Jake Browning, Star Wars, or GOP apologist. All right. We We have
1: two Jake Browning references already. We're doing well.
0: Uh, This is ruins Suck. Five stars. Don't go anywhere else. Uh, If you want Pac-12 football information, this is the podcast to listen to. Ryan and Dave are great great together. They compliment each other well. Even though Ryan does most of the work, they manage to laugh at each other while giving us great Pac-12 news. Keep up the great work. Earl in West L.A., old friend. Uh, best college football podcast. I've listened to every podcast since the first one. I can't imagine not listening to these two clowns. I mean to Ryan and Dave. They have become my second favorite podcast after the peristyle. I look forward every week to the witty byplay between these two men with magical chemistry. Um, oh, he asks uh, a question in here. Oh, really? It's like a, this is like a – we're getting – he's cutting to the chase and he wants to ask us a question here yeah
1: well should we do it i mean we, we can all right all right you ready yeah yeah i think we want to reward people if you ask a question in our apple podcast reviews we'll just talk about it right away there we go uh
0: during the quarantine i've been watching a lot of pac 12 football reruns no i changed the channel when they insist on playing reruns of sports few people care about i have noticed two disturbing things First, after nine years of one thousand two hundred and ninety six televised games, twelve teams times twelve games equals one hundred and forty four games times nine years. Okay, you would think they would not have to show the same games over and over again. If I have to watch Todd Marinovich and Rodney Pete break Bruin hearts anymore, I may start rooting for the other team. One would think they have much more uh, they have much more content to choose from. Nope, not these programming geniuses. The other thing I notice is that they have no advertisers. I watched two of those sixty-minute games back to back last week, and there were no paid commercials, only public service announcements. They must be floating in a sea of red ink. My question is: Do you think the fallout from the pandemic will cause the demise of the Pac-12 Network?
1: That's a really in-depth and good question, and that's I can't believe that all went in a review, but uh, I like it. Um, <laughs> I, isn't that crazy? Like it, that was good. Uh, he, we had a hit a long review and a long, you know, kind of lead up to the question and a question. Um, personally. I think the writing was on the wall. I mean, with the new contracts coming up in 2024 with Larry Scott's deal up in 2022, um, I feel like my my gut feeling was that the PAC 12 was going to go in another direction and that they would have to make some major changes to the PAC 12 network. Um, I don't think, I, I don't think getting rid of the PAC 12 network, but probably the seven network model that just hasn't worked. Um, obviously it depends if, you know, if Amazon or Google or somebody comes in and gives them a crap load of money, uh, or Apple or whatever, it's like, okay, that, that'd be something. But I kind of feel like the demise of the Pac-12 network was already there. And this might've, uh, this might've been like the catalyst, like the accelerant, I guess you could say to, uh, make it happen a little faster.
0: Agreed. I think that's right. All right. And then final review from FN 2002, five stars. Uh, great job. Since Ryan begged for this review like a dog, (laughs) he didn't say like a dog. He just said, beg for this review. I did. Uh, Here it goes. Uh, Great show. David is absolutely hilarious, considering he's a Bruin. Ryan is the absolute backbone of the shows. Why not? He's a Trojan. Without him, the show would crumble. In all seriousness, great show. Both David and Ryan do an amazing job. Do yourself a favor and download. All
1: right. That's really good stuff. We appreciate that. Sorry, I don't want to come off as begging. This was just something that... Like a dog. Begging like a dog. I think our show uh, had a pretty good amount of reviews already. Something we, we we brought up. like That's something that our listeners have been good at. Uh, I know when talking to 24-7 Sports, they were uh, saying how important these reviews were. So like on my two shows, we've been just asking for them a little bit more the last couple of weeks. So uh, just kind of on the company line, but I, I like them. I I'm trying to figure out, you know, I, I just wasn't on those devices much. So now I'm checking them out and it, I think it is a big deal. So I do appreciate it. And these ones are great. Like we, for the Parastyle podcast, we get some, you know, really nice reviews and stuff. But the, the humor that get put into these ones, Dave, I think are second to none.
0: It's so good. Yeah. I love every one of our listeners. Every one of the like seven people who have um, left reviews over the years and just signed in <laughs> under different names. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> That shows a level of dedication that's really uh, really hard to match. It is hard to match. And they and they
1: are awesome. And so we do appreciate that. Um, well, we have a lot there's kind of newsy stuff we need to talk about. So maybe I'll do my little uh breaking news uh, item there, a little drop. Maybe we'll start with the Bruins. You talk about the we talk, you know, mentioned the Bruins. Dave the Bruin graduated mm-hmm. from UCLA, covers yep, the Bruins. Yep. 2008 uh,
0: 2008 grad. Yeah. Th-
1: 2008. I have like jeans that old. Uh, let's see. Well, so what are
0: you going to do? It should have been 2007, <laughs> but I took a victory lap. <laughs> uh,
1: new athletic director
0: for the Bruins. What mm-hmm. do you tell everybody about it? Uh, well, he's only six years older than me and you know, obviously he was on like kind of a slightly lower career path. Like, you know, I will obviously be at a much higher position in six years. Um, but Martin Jarman, <laughs> uh, from Boston college, uh, was hired. Um, as the new UCLA Athletic Director. Um, Big switch um, from Dan Guerrero, who's been there, I think, almost 20 years, um, to now going with a younger, uh, much more in touch with like modern technology type guy. Um, He actually uses social media. Dan Guerrero does not. Um, He drew rave reviews from basically everyone in the Boston College community. Um, So it looks to all, by all accounts, it looks like a pretty dynamite hire. Um, Obviously hiring anybody for a million dollar role in the current economy looks, you know, that's a tough look, um, but it needed to be done. And this was the thing that had been planned for a long time. Um, And I think, you know, it's always hard to know how things are going to pan out, but the process looks good. um, The outcome looks good. And now we're going to have to just kind of wait and see. But he made a you know, by all accounts, what a lot of people think was a good hire at Boston College um, on the football side, um, pulling Ohio State's um, well thought of young uh, defensive coordinator, Halfley, over there to be the head coach this past offseason, firing Steve Adasio. Um, had planned to fire, I think, Boston College's basketball coach, but just um, the, the timing didn't work out because um, BC uh, obviously ended its season heading into the pandemic. Um, so now he heads over to UCLA, where he'll have uh, a lot of challenges to figure out immediately. Um, first, the budget situation that Wilner has written a ton about, um, but UCLA faces a pretty huge athletic um, shortfall, um, even without the pandemic, because of all the buyouts they've had to pay over the um, past you know four or five years, um, as well as just kind of declining ticket sales because the teams have been bad. Um, so he'll have to deal with that, but also the the typical you know new ad comes in well the football program has just gone seven and 17 through two years so what does that mean for chip kelly um will they be able to form some kind of working relationship or is it going to be the kind of thing where maybe this accelerates kelly's um you know end uh here at ucla so it's all going to be really interesting. They haven't had the traditional introductory press conference. It's um, I, I think it's kind of an unknown how they're going to do that and when they're going to do that, um, whether they're going to do like a Zoom call or something like that. But he has, I know he's talked to the LA Times. I think he's going to talk to Tracy from Bro here pretty soon. Um, so he's getting out there a little bit. But um, by all accounts, looks like a good hire. We'll see.
1: Yeah, it's uh, not the easiest time to do something like this. I know USC just hired a, swimming coach which isn't anywhere near as you know difficult as getting athletic director but you're doing you know it was no in-person interviews zoom calls things like that i assume there was a lot of that going on during this uh this yeah. search which makes it challenging you know
0: yeah it was all zoom um and he talked about that with Bulch um from the la times just that it was all um kind of weird doing it all virtually um but you know good that he was committing to the committing to it, even not seeing kind of the whole thing in in person. And I should, uh, should mention, um, also the first, uh, black, uh, athletic director in UCLA history, um, which is good, um, obviously, but also kind of peculiar that it took that long, um, for a school with a storied tradition of, um, you know, being kind of a groundbreaker in that regard. Um, but I think that, there's a, there's a reality that I think that'll also kind of help, um, UCLA, um, just kind of be more of a, of, at the forefront of, um, of college athletics. So yeah,
1: all very good, all very good stuff. All right. Well, uh, cool for that. Um, we had another little like LA news item, USC and old miss are scheduled now. So it's, uh, I think, uh, John Wilner said, there's 40 games upcoming between Pac-12 and uh, SEC schools, and uh, the only significant thing here is that with at, like UCLA, there's going to be a change in the athletic director. A year ago, USC said they were going to only play they were going to play seven home games every year. Uh, that meant because they play Notre Dame every year, they wouldn't be able to schedule any cool home and home games anymore because they they would need to have two extra home games to go with the. Five home and five road you get from the Pac-12 in Notre Dame every year. Um, So you couldn't do like they went to Texas a couple years ago. So this new athletic department, they've scrapped that and they're now going to start scheduling some big games. And this is significant because it's Lane Kiffin and he could come to the Coliseum in 2025 for the Tarmac Bowl. So I thought that was a little interesting nugget, Dave.
0: That would require him maintaining the Ole Miss job for that would have to be that would be his sixth season as the head coach. Okay. so. All right. So that's not going to happen. Probably not. He might be the Alabama coach. But what? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is what other schools are on the schedule in the next five years that he could jump to and come to the Coliseum. That's the real question.
1: Yeah. Nothing big like that. Unless he went to a Pac-12 school like that. That'd be the only thing. But you're going to I don't think I think I mean, he could literally be in the Alabama running if he does well at Ole Miss. Well, that's the thing Um,
0: is he's not going to, and he's going to actually get run out on a rail. So let's look at, (laughs) let's look at the realistic ones. Okay. Okay. 2022 Fresno State. Who'd they hire? Who's their new guy?
1: Uh, I forget, but that's where he, he, that's where he played.
0: Uh, That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. He could go back to his alma mater.
0: Yeah. Rice in 2022. Mm, No, you don't think so. You don't think that could happen. All Uh, right. What about Lane Kiffin in Reno? 2023, Nevada comes to USC. He's now the Nevada head coach.
1: I, I could see him living that.
0: big in Reno. You can't I, see that?
1: What kind of like so the lowest job he got was FAU? Like he went from disgraced to like national champion. Like he's he falls up. So I I'm, I'm not thinking he's ended up in Reno.
0: Well, he's always gotta like it's it's always one step back and then three steps forward. So Nevada's one step back from Ole Miss, right? Uh, Nevada. I mean, like, you think it's two? Yeah, you don't think so. It's it's a garbage SEC program. Come on.
1: The Grove itself. Uh, yeah, Lane Kiffin and the Grove is going to be amazing. Hey, I'm sorry,
0: do tailgates win football games?
1: They win hearts and of the, in the the hearts of oh,
0: fans. Oh That's what's God. important. All right, so so more realistic is that. So here's what I would say. It is more realistic that he is the Nevada head coach in the Coliseum in 2023 than he is the Ole Miss head coach at the Coliseum in
1: 2025. Uh, No, I'm going to disagree. But I could see him doing enough to stay around there for a while. Like, it's one of those things where if he does well enough that he doesn't get fired, he would stay there. He would have to, like, kick ass to get a better job. So he's either like, but you think he's gonna get fired? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll
0: see. I don't know. You're like really, you're really, you know, kind of high on on our man Lane right now. Also, um, can I, can I let you know yes. who the last Ole Miss coach to last longer than six seasons was? Um, I I don't know who was the you ready for the, it? Yeah. Billy Brewer. Who left or was fired, I have no idea, in 1993. Dang. David Cutcliffe lasted exactly six seasons. Um, okay. Ed Orgeron, three. Houston, Nutt four. Hugh Freeze, five. Matt Luke, three. Tommy Tuberville, four. Hugh Freeze.
1: See, now he would have lasted longer if, you know, he had he had his issues. But
0: Lane <laughs> Kiffin, the picture of stability, will be there six seasons.
1: Eh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, there's a little interesting kind of news there. Uh, Dave's a lane hater.
0: I'm not a lane hater. I'm a lane lover, but let's, let's be real about the man.
1: I'm just trying to hope for the, I want, I want to see it happen. It's just like, you it. want to will it into existence.
0: I get it. But why not? Will it into existence two years earlier as the Nevada head coach? That's what yeah. I'm saying.
1: Cause I still see that one. I see <sighs>
0: San Jose state head coach in 2024. I think Fresno State, you know, you could see
1: it just because that's his alma mater. Like, I, yeah. it's hard for me to picture him ending up at Reno. If, if he goes out on, if he gets like blown out of there, yeah, I, I don't even know if Reno would hire him. But he he needed to go back and be an OC again to like rebuild his uh, reputation after USC. Um, we'll see what he does this time. Or yeah, maybe he does well. I don't know. Uh, all right. Other newsy stuff, uh, David. We got some NCAA uh, crap to deal with. So that, the first of all, the um, the transfer waiver, the one-time transfer waiver that looked like it was going to be like a year out, and then all of a sudden it seemed like, oh, they might pass it this year, and then it was, you know, a couple weeks ago we found out, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I think they can vote in January, and then the, so the earliest it would be for the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two season. So. You you won't see like the full on free agency during this coronavirus stuff if uh, like say you know some schools can't uh, they don't have a season because something happens you get an outbreak on their campus um, players won't be able to just transfer out at least under the current rules uh, and and be eligible right away so I'm sure there'll be some exceptions and stuff but uh, yeah. that's the thing that was expected so nothing big there but also the NCAA Division One Council they voted uh, to approve voluntary athletic activities in football men's basketball and women's basketball to start june 1st and to go through june 30th um so there had been a moratorium on that through may 31st and they can uh talk about other sports uh at a later date so what did you think about that
0: um so obviously that that uh, is one barrier, but it's not the only barrier. Um, individual schools have their own. Individual leagues have their own. Individual cities and states might have their own regulations about whether or not there can be those sorts of activities. So um, it's one hurdle. Um, I think for some areas it might be enough to get all that stuff back. I'm I'm curious about whether that'll move the needle at all in California. Um, but certainly good... Um, for those who are who are desperate for this stuff to come back, um, because if that happens now, that probably means unless there's a, a big backslide with the pandemic, uh, that they will continue to you know push things forward throughout the summer. And, and, you know, at least some areas will likely be on track to at least start football practice in August.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, well, we have some guarantees, right? So the SEC schools are going to be starting <laughs> work on June 1st. It'll be interesting to see what the PAC 12 schools do and some other schools do. But this is getting us this
0: removes this, a barrier.
1: Yeah, I think it does. And I think when there was a lot of talk about, well, you could delay it to this, you could you know, have these different options. It seems like right now, David, we are pushing towards half football when it was scheduled Probably not have fans in the stands or limited fans. It seems like that's like the, where the momentum is going towards. And you're seeing decisions made by politicians, by the NCAA, by uh, conferences that are sort of funneling us into that bucket. And as long as there's no crazy virus thing that happens that would stop the flow going into that bucket, I, my guess is that's where we're going now.
0: Yeah, it, it does all seem to be flowing into that bucket. Like, Jesus, <laughs> what an image. What an image. Um, Sorry. We like to have things flowing into buckets here on the Podcast of I'm Champions. Um, I to make it, you know. You know what? Look, we all like our slop. We all like to slop into a bucket, and that's what we do here. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems to all be moving that way. I think there is still a lot of hopeful and wishful thinking going on. Um, and I think... Um, a lot remains to be seen. Um, right now, I think the NCAA, they're saying, oh, June is looking pretty good to us. And, you know, with June just being 10 days away, that's the kind of timeline I think you can maybe work on. Um, but I think anybody making any predictions about what August is going to look like or September is going to look like um, is not not doing much more than wishing at this point. We're just going to have to see how it pans out um and take them you know one you know 10 day or 14 day chunk at a time so the ncaa can say okay june 1st is cool um and then maybe it hits end of june and they can say okay july is cool now uh, yeah but i think that's the way it's gonna have to work uh because this thing could just i mean i know a lot of people are saying okay well the summer is here now and that's gonna you know knock this thing down the same way the flu goes down in the summer and it's just you don't know. You really don't. And
1: is, is the eternal pessimist in David Woods like not liking all this optimism that's out there? You're like, no, oh, no, no. Come I, on, I, people.
0: No, no. I, I would Just love stay it at home for another year. I have, I have, I have two children at home. I don't want them to be home anymore. I would like them to go back to school, uh, desperately, in like a almost like maddening. Like I would. I am I am as far from believing in a God as you can probably get, and I would pray for this outcome. I would, um, but but it's just when you've like been listening to everything, and then like suddenly the people who are talking with the most surety about this whole thing are people who are involved in sports, and you've got scientists on one hand who are still like, yeah, I don't know, you, you don't know, you know, stick a finger in the wind and see how it's blowing. Um, yeah, I mean, people with an interest in this stuff are, 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 I think being hopeful, and that's fine. But I just don't. It, you just don't know. Um, so yeah, it looks more optimistic than it did two months ago. So hopefully yeah. it continues that way.
1: And I think that the I like these. You know, the you got to just you know you can't eat the whole apple at once. You got to take some bites. And when people make the declarations like,
0: is that a challenge?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Do you want to see love, me try to take an apple in one bite?
1: I would love to see that. What I kind love, of apple
0: are we talking about? Are we talking about like a Fuji? We're we talking about like a Red Delicious? What are we saying?
1: Well, Red Delicious, I used to like when I was like 12, and they're trash. Um, but See, this th- is
0: what I don't get. I don't get the people knocking Red Delicious. Can we just stop for a second and can we talk about apples? Okay. Yeah, let's talk about apples. Because the thing is, Red Delicious, it's right there in the title. It's delicious, it tastes good. Why the knock? Why are you dogging on Red Delicious? I want I mean, to hear it. I want to hear it outside of like popular thinking like, oh, no, I want to eat a gala apple now. No, I want to hear your opinion. Why is Red Delicious bad?
1: Okay. And I think, I think that's a very fair point that, that maybe that, that I was told that it's not as good and then I would try it and I'm like, you know, it's not as good as I remember when I was a kid because that's what I loved as a kid. I've worked my first like outside of paper route stuff. My first job job was working at a grocery store. I was a bagger for a while, uh, then I moved into the produce department and then you become like, it's like your social circle. And and so we would just be back there having food fights, doing all our stuff. And I would eat apples and stuff all the time. Sorry to my old managers. Uh, but you know, yeah, I loved, and I always loved red delicious the most, but then I started trying some of the more like the crisper. I don't know. There was just a, like, um, I, I wasn't a big, like green apple guy. Like I like green, like apple pies, but. Usually the red ones, like the the Pink Lady, the Fuji. I even like the Golden Delicious ones. Um, I, I, any of those. I liked all of those kind of apples. But I, I, I find myself stop eating the Red Delicious because then you kind of hear this negative stuff about it. But I haven't had one in a long time. I should go back and do that, too. So I think that's a fair point. I don't want to be bashing Red Delicious. Uh, but I try to get some of the other ones out there. Some of the, the I like the bigger ones, though. So mostly... I get the oversized apples. I like those. Hard to do that in one bite. Yeah.
0: All right. Okay. Good. Good. Is that fair? I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I got you to walk back your red delicious spurning. and uh I will. now we'll just see.
1: I don't think you'd want to cook with it, but you could you definitely eat them, you know. There is um, a
0: lot there are I'm 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 looking at like if you just search red delicious apples on Google, like the amount of hatred out there for this like perfectly fine fruit is just out of control. It's yeah. fine. It's a refreshing taste treat. What the hell yeah. you people um, with your galas. Get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> well, that's our Apple talk for today on the POC. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about my grocery store days back in the day. That was like, yeah, I, I was, was a
0: bagger too. I was a really? bagger one summer. Yeah. Nice. I did it at Ralph's in El Segundo where the wind comes sweeping down the plane.
1: Oh, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So we had that. Uh, John Wilner also added that the Pac-12 presidents um, were going to decide next week if they were going to lift the suspension of team activities, uh, which was going through uh, the end of of May. So that's a conference level decision. And this is obviously the NCAA. It's like the broader ruling. But yeah, make sure you subscribe to the uh, John Wilner hotline, the Pac-12 hotline. It was a great email this week. It came out yesterday or something. There's a lot of good notes in there. but. Um, so basically I'll start off with the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors held their spring meeting on Monday. So this is an annual meeting, uh, obviously very strange circumstances, unusual circumstances. And according to John, they came to reasonable conclusions regarding the return of college football. So the four notes he put down were reaffirm, uh, the commitment to science. So they want, you know, let science decide where you're going, emphasize the safety of students. You got to say that, uh, approve a set of, uh, return to play protocols. So here's the things that need to happen. I'm not I, I'm not a huge protocol guy because when you say, like, like if the governor says, well, you got to have this, this, and this for these things to open, but, you know, this and this happens, but this happens in a different way. It's like, okay, well, it, this still looks like it's going to work. Do you really need to meet that protocol you set up a month ago? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I get it. Um, and, you know, these things change. And, I mean, the understanding of these things changes so much. Um and I know, like, for a lot of different things that are reopening now, they're using temperature checks as some sort of guidepost for, like, this is how secure we're being. We're doing temperature checks at each door or whatever. And it's like that, that, that can be fine as an in addition to. But what have we learned about this thing? First, like, half of all cases don't even have a fever. Like, half of all symptomatic cases don't have a fever. Yeah. And then on top of that, like, what is it? Like, nine out of 10 can be asymptomatic. At least something like that, so uh, what good is a temperature check as like your backstop there? Yeah, I, anyway, no, I, I the it, whole thing my point is like the whole thing it's just you, you, you don't know what's gonna be important a month from now.
1: We don't, and I think this was the most encouraging note that uh, that John wrote about. Um, no matter what, uh, make those decisions. Don't make decisions about it. And he he quoted him as the longer they wait, the better chance they have of getting it right. And I think that's what's good. I think there's sometimes probably more on the politician side than like the scientist side where they say something, you know, like the the L.A. one where I guess it was a misquote or whatever, where they said like they were going to shut down for three more months. And that's just going to have the exact opposite effect that you want. You can't go out there and be like, hey, everyone, Uh, I was thinking about this today, David. Do you wash your hands for 20 seconds every time you wash your hands? No, no, me neither. And I think that's one of those asks where you're just trying to make sure that they wash their hands long enough. I'm, I'm, I, I would almost guarantee there are no cases where someone washed their hand for, te- for 10 seconds and then they got the virus. But if they washed it for 20, they wouldn't have got it. Like I, I, I can almost guarantee that that would be the case. But it's one of those things that you ask. I hope it doesn't discourage people from washing their hands when you ask them to do something longer, you know, than it used to be, what, Sing Happy Birthday. Now it's like 20
0: seconds. Um, Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, um, and I know a lot of the analogies now about the whole lockdown itself is, you know, this is like abstinence only education, sex education, right? Where, well, what they find is that when you do that, people just get up to a bunch of unsafe sex because they're being told, oh, don't do it at all. When you could be spending that time. Okay. Here's how you do it safely. Um, Here's how you, you know, here's how you uh and for this case it would be okay well here's how you go outside safely here's how you do these things or at least as safely as you can here's how you do the things you want to do as safely as you can and i think that's kind of the way this is gonna have to go here pretty soon um and i think that's how it's going and or how it should be going in the places that are opening up or to an extent that are opening up but it should be like a a national i mean this the 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 shame of it is that they're having to decide this at a a regional level and even smaller levels when it should be, okay, here are the guidelines. If you want to go outside and you want to see a friend, see one friend, hang out outside, don't go inside, you know, just like those sorts of basic things, um, instead of stay home and never see anyone again. Um, because I think that's the message that And it's, you know, I have people who are like texting me and saying like, still saying things like, oh, it's not safe to take ibuprofen because three months ago, somebody in France said it wasn't safe to take ibuprofen because it was causing inflammation in people with COVID. And it's like, well, that information has evolved, but nobody is really communicating this stuff in a broad way to everybody. And Dude, so
1: when I'm hungover, I'm taking Tylenol instead of Advil because of that. Like, I don't well, even yeah, know why. And,
0: but, but that's the thing is like, and like my kids have each gotten like various illnesses. One of them had strep. Um, and I was like, I had to like be like, okay, well, she's got a fever. So I'm going to give her both because, uh, you know, I've got, I'm going to cut the whole thing down. Uh, but I started off just giving Tylenol because I'm like, oh, I, I read that thing in the, in the the france study two months ago but like that stuff evolved and changed and they changed the guideline and said actually there's no proof that ibuprofen is causing really any adverse reaction start with tylenol but if you have to take ibuprofen it's probably not going to be the end of the world is basically the new thing on it but I, but all this stuff like there needs to be some sort of central framework that is like communicating this to people and it's just not happening um but So you're ending up with people who are getting the messaging that I need to stay home and not speak to anybody. And if somebody passes me on the street, that's akin to them trying to murder me. And it's just like, well, that's no. I mean, people should be allowed to walk around outside and it'd be great if everyone wore masks while they were doing it. Uh, But if somebody walks by you outside and even if they're not wearing a mask, the odds of you getting it from them pretty low. Yeah. Um, And I, I just don't think any of that has been communicated particularly well. Yeah.
1: No, I agree with you there. It's uh it's tough. If not, obviously it's not an easy situation. Um, but getting a little op- a little more optimistic, which I like. Uh there he uh, Wilner published the whole CEO statement. Um basically what the, the policy was in place through May 31st. So next week they'll make that determination on how to modify modify the policy going forward. He talked about testing and contact tracing being the key. Uh, to all this. And he kind of put some numbers in there where like, Hey, you got to test the whole team. Say you have to test the whole football team twice a week. Uh, like how much does that cost? And he wasn't sure how much a test would cost. It could cost like 10 bucks. It could cost like a hundred bucks. I think he threw in like 50 bucks as a thing. And if you have to test them twice a week, uh, you know, throughout the season, I think it ends up being like a couple hundred grand or something. And it's like, Hey, you know, that's compared to what it could cost. It's really not that big of a deal. But if you have to test like every student, every week then you're talking it could be millions of dollars so there was a lot of that but the the contact the con uh, contact tracing is interesting too i um i don't know like i didn't know much about this i've read a little bit about it but even now like when i go do my like meals on wheels thing so we you know we wear gloves we wear masks we pick up meals and you'd go deliver them to the, the old folks but we now have to sign like this paperwork it says you're like a disaster worker on there which is weird but And I asked him, like, why are we doing this now? He's like, it's only for the, you know, during the virus, but they, it's basically for like tracing. So like, say someone on your route gets sick, they know who delivered it that day. Like there's a a paper trail of where, what happened, you know? Um, So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't really realize I was part of that, but um, I think that's another thing. So if a, if a player gets sick, they want to be able to know who they came in contact with and so they could trace it and figure out, so you could. Isolate, I guess, the right people. Uh, I, I don't. You might know more about that. You probably know more about it than me, Dave. But uh, thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, it's part of the 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 winning framework that a lot of that, like South Korea in particular, has been using um, to keep cases low from the jump. Um, it's what a lot of people were advocating for to start with here, um, and we just didn't we didn't get on it, um, and that's why things kind of blew up as much as they did um, in kind of a horrible way. But the uh, the hope is to get cases and everything knocked down enough that that ends up being feasible. The thing is, contact tracing, unless we're willing to go to like full even if we're willing to go to like full um, surveillance state stuff where you're tracking people's phones and doing the whole thing, it requires a lot of manpower. You got to have people who are, you know, tracking people down, tracking down who they've spoken to, tracking down all that kind of stuff and then isolating these people. Um, And that requires a ton of public health infrastructure. It requires a ton of people, um, which we just might not have in place. Like those people need to be hired and trained. Um, And so it, there's a lot of frameworks. There's a lot of methods for doing a lot of the stuff we're talking about, but I just don't know if the infrastructure is there for much of it. Um, We finally seem to have gotten our infrastructure for testing more or less figured out, but contact tracing is its whole other deal. And it, it would require a, a, but from everything I understand, and somebody can chime in if I'm totally wrong on it, but I think it requires way more manpower than any individual states Department of Health has right now, or even our, you know, national CDC or whatnot.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the, t- the point to take away is don't make a decision now, like kind of just take those little bites at the apple Though Dave wants to try to eat the whole thing. He wants the red delicious would be a tough whole bite because of the way it's shaped too. like even. Yeah, it was, even it's
0: a tough shape. It's a tough shape. And it's also I mean, even a smaller red delicious is still like it's a tough bite. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have a really like strong. It's not a strong taste. You know, you're not you're not getting stuck with one of those like sour green apples. Right. You're getting you're getting something that you can take a big mouthful of and just chew it and it's fine. So. I don't know. It's not a mouth, it's not a single bite, but maybe two. You can probably take a whole red delicious, like most of the good parts of it in two bites. Do you think? Have you uh, really tried for it?
1: You yeah, probably, but I'm not like I avoid the core, like I'm not an apple core eater. Are you a you eat the no, core no, at all? No, no,
0: no. I'm not I'm not into that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I don't either. So, yeah, you, the, you could you could you could do a lot of damage, I think, in two big bites of a, you know, medium-sized uh red delicious. Yeah. Actually, maybe even easier with that shape because it's so, so top heavy. You might be able to get the tops, you know, in two bites where like a round one, it might be tougher to get as big of a, a chunk of that without getting into the core in two bites.
0: Well, what if you allowed yourself the option of cutting it up first, like cut it up, excise the core? Do you think you could mold those pieces enough that you could fit them all in your mouth?
1: Ooh, I like that. That's a challenge. Uh, I think you could do that in two. I don't think I could do it in one it's a lot it's a lot it's like i can name i could eat that apple in two bites dave says i can eat that apple in one bite eat that apple dave
0: (laughs) all right well we've got a we've got a thing to do on our next zoom that could be yeah
1: that could be like a game show like it's just what you know instead of name that tune so this is dating people i don't even know if david gets the reference but it used to be a show name that tune where you would like how many you know they play because like, some guy a piano would play six notes, and you have to name what the song is. Eat that, whatever. We could say something like, "I could eat that uh, loaf of bread <laughs> in seven bites. I could eat it in six bites. All right, yeah. you eat that bread. Um, that'd be kind of funny.
0: Yeah, I think that's a right.
1: Different, a different uh, take on uh, eating competition. We shouldn't put our best ideas out there for the world. We we should have no. We saved should that.
0: we should bottle this.
1: Yeah, but that would actually take effort. So. And it would take effort to like react to to do something with that idea. So if someone goes makes millions off that idea, some TV producer out there, just give us a pat on the back at some point and just say, hey, we stole that from you. 20%. Yeah, I'd take that, too. Um, I think that's all I got for newsy stuff. Do you want to should we jump into questions?
0: Let's jump right in. Oh, wait, you know what?
1: Let's do this. Let's take a quick break and then we will jump into questions back in one minute.
0: conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundai or call 562-314-4603 for more details
1: hyundai there's joy in every journey how was your break it was a good break yeah uh, whatever that commercial was i'm buying it i'm in
0: yeah no i loved everything about that commercial could you believe that person's voice my exactly. god
1: why they, they sound so much better than us
0: i know <laughs> boy howdy <laughs>
1: Um, all right. I have one pulled up. Do you want me to read or do you got one? I'd
0: love, I'd love for you to read.
1: Okay. Zoom, uh, is the subject. This one looks like it's from Paul. Although I knew Dave had a beard and that Ryan was an old fart. I never knew what you two looked like. Oh, okay. okay. Well, this could be bad. Here's my take. I, I'm 49. I don't know if that's an old fart, but older than Dave To to Dave. I'm an old fart, but to some on this podcast, probably not. Uh, Ryan looks like an older beardless version of what I had imagined Dave would look like. Huh? Okay. So what is, is that insulting me or you or both?
0: Or I don't know. a compliment? I don't, know. I don't know. An older beardless version, but I had a beard. So an I, older didn't I Beardless version of what I imagined. Okay. All right.
1: What's the next one? Uh, Dave looks like a younger bearded version of what I thought Ryan would look like. I'll let you two sort
0: Is out he literally it. just saying you sound like you have brown hair and I sound like I have blonder hair? I maybe. I don't know.
1: I'll let you two sort it out. Uh, if those are compliments or digs. Oh, so that okay. So he was leaving something to our imagination there. Um, did I have I my beard is pretty it's pretty good for me. This is probably the most beard I've had ever. Uh, so it's more than what we had on the zoom. But I had I had a I had some beard going on the Zoom.
0: Yeah, you did. Um, mine is probably at my eh, not quite lifetime peak, but it's approaching. It's in it's in orbit around my lifetime peak. Um, so I, I I don't know what this means. I'm trying to suss it out. It's kind of hard for my brain to work through. Um, I'm gonna take it as just two great compliments.
1: That we're good looking guys. That maybe he thought just we good-looking looked like Good looking guys, like, and he yeah. thought
0: he thought you had uh, browner hair, and that I had blonder hair. That's it.
1: Yeah. I like it. Uh, we, to be fair, we could put up like video versions of our podcast. Like since we don't do a lot of editing or much editing at all, um, as far as like clipping it up and cutting out mistakes or things, we could just record our Skype video and put it up on our YouTube page. We could do that. Yeah. And it wouldn't, you know, of course Dave would probably do it cause he's, no he would do. well that. it's just uh,
0: you're adding one more thing on top of all the other things <laughs> i do for this show on top of my plate and I, I look it's fine whatever i'm i'm done even fighting back against it um i'm just a martyr here um just carrying the load
1: yeah well i mean we could like and that actually so in skype it does record and either one of us could download it so like if i'm uploading the audio por- portion you could you could upload the Video And I don't think it would cause, you know, we would, it would need any kind of editing. It's just basically download it and then upload it to YouTube. Yeah, Yeah. Maybe we'll do that at some point. Let us know if you want to see us. If you don't want to see us, that's fine. You probably don't. You don't.
0: Um, all right. Here's from John, uh, some consternation over my hot world war two takes. Oh, this is our college football podcast, by the way. Uh, (laughs) world war two. Uh, I know that it is a slow time and it must be a struggle for content, but your recent podcast with Dave. Oh, so this is addressed to you, Ryan. Oh, but your recent podcast with Dave musing that the United States committed war crimes during World War II is offensive and deserves a response. My grandfather fought in the Pacific and almost died at Guadalcanal. I can personally tell you through my conversations with him that Truman was the only Democrat he ever voted for because he dropped the bomb. It was not a close call for that generation and saved millions of American lives. The United States did not choose to engage in war. It was thrust upon us. War was declared on us by the bombing of Pearl Harbor and the slaughter of Americans while we were negotiating peace with the Japanese. War is evil. War kills innocent people. When a nation goes to war, it is not desirable, which is why democratic nations do not generally go to war. Fascists and communists do a lot. But Truman's decision was a necessary evil that brought an end to fascist atrocities in the Pacific and literally saved millions of innocent lives. As for Dresden, can intelligent people actually debate whether destroying Nazi Germany was a moral act? They had it coming after what they were doing to the UK and to literally millions of innocents. We had to end this to save lives. Love the podcast and all said in the spirit that I will defend to the death free speech, even if I disagree. From John. Thanks,
1: John. That, see, that was basically my take. But, I you know. That's what I had read. Obviously, I wasn't there. My grandfather was in the Aleutian Islands, so he didn't really have like some hot takes on it. But uh, I appreciate the email, John.
0: Yeah, it was good stuff, John. Um, I disagree. Um, I think uh, you can easily make an argument that the United States committed war crimes, both small and major, during the conflict. That doesn't make the conflict itself an immoral one, I would think. On the scale of things, the United States has uh, involved itself in two out-and-out moral conflicts where they were on the right side, Uh, the Civil War, where the Federals were obviously on the right side of history, and then uh, World War II, where the United States was on the right side of history. Uh, But that being said, you don't just eliminate nuance from the discussion when you're saying that. Um, Was the U.S. right to go to war with Germany and Japan, um, given everything going on in the world? Yeah. Yeah were they right to firebomb Dresden at that point in the war with obviously major help from the UK? That's, honestly, that one is more the UK's war crime than, than the US's. But uh, maybe not. I mean, uh, we, we private soldiers in the middle of the war executing prisoners of war, is that a war crime? Okay, then just work up from there. Uh, strategic decisions can also be a war crime. In fact, they might be more of a crime. Um, so I, I, I invite us to think about this with a little bit more of our thinking caps on rather than just, um, our side, good, their side, bad type stuff, because look, Japan committed a ton of atrocities too. um, Germany, obviously the Holocaust is the most notable and obviously the most horrific, um, given its focus and, um, and, uh, systematic nature um but i mean japan was murdering chinese people left and right um oh yeah i mean the the eating people alive like terrible stuff truly horrific stuff um and but does that make does that make you know does tit for tat work because japanese soldiers murder a bunch of chinese civilians does that mean it's okay to nuke hiroshima and nagasaki nagasaki coming you know only three days after Hiroshima, the whole point of Hiroshima and Nagasaki is to shock and awe the Japanese government into surrender. Then why are you only waiting three days? Maybe give them a little time to be shocked and awed, especially with the Soviets invading Manchuria, you know, two days after Hiroshima. So I, I, I see your point. Totally get it. It was, I think a moral conflict. Um, but I think you can distinguish between a moral conflict and moral acts during that conflict. And I don't think, uh, I don't think Dresden was, and I don't think especially the bombing of Nagasaki after Hiroshima was a particularly moral decision.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, en- enough uh, World War II c- talk, I guess. Let's get back to Pac-12 stuff. Uh, this is Hitler Day. Candor and Castor. So this is being upfront and honest about uh, like ancient rem- remedies or beavers. I'm going to go with the beavers. Would you say? Is that? I, I think that's where he's going with this. Sure. Okay, we'll see. Uh, my thanks to Andy, who last week provided the only 45 seconds of on-field football content in last week's podcast by recounting the UW fan base fan base's theory on why tight ends coach Jordan Papo, Papow pow, 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 uh, pow, pow. Pow, pow, was fired. Uh, Andy said he hadn't done the film study to verify that Papo's tight ends weren't running great routes. I have, but it's tough to say since almost all of his time there— was with Jake Browning, a quarterback, and his tight ends and 12 personnel were usually running mesh routes five yards directly in front of Captain Noodle Arm as the broadside of the proverbial barn. Uh, Okay. At any rate, uh, there's at least four uh, positional coaches that Jimmy Lake should have fired before he got pow-pow if it were strictly on merit. Gregory, the linebacker coach. Huff, the offensive line coach. uh, Benofa, the running backs coach. Uh, And Adams, the wide receiver coach. Uh, I think this is probably what David is awkwardly calling coaching nepotism, hiring your friends and firing your petty rivals. Uh, He's rallied against it uh, as recently as a month ago at Cal with Justin Wilcox promoting former Oregon players Peter Sermon and Bill Musgrave. Yet pow pow discussions uh, have provoked his trademark angry yawns. I'm sure this isn't hypocrisy uh, for reasons he perhaps like uh, an opportunity to explain.
0: Oh, yeah, I've got an opportunity to explain it. Uh, Simple ignorance, um, which is often, often the uh, explanation for hypocrisy when hypocrisy, hypocritical accusations are thrown out. Um, No, I just didn't know he was friends with whoever. Um, So that's why. Um, But I will say it's not awkwardly calling it coaching nepotism. Nepotism is commonly misunderstood as only about family members, but also it can include friends. Yeah, that's all. Continue. So I don't know if
1: he's talking about you or Andy, though. He's talking about me. Really? So I he's thought He's talking he was...
0: about my angry yawns. And then he's he's saying that so I railed against Justin Wilcox hiring friends and prioritizing them, but the pow pow thing has provoked my angry yawns, and he's he's vaguely calling me a hypocrite, and I'm explaining that no, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm ignorant. Ah, I like yes. that. I I think you can be both. So, you know, we'll oh, you that. you can certainly be both, and at <laughs> different times. I mean, I you am specifically, both. yes, <laughs> I can be a hypocrite, I can be a totally hypocritical ignoramus. But in this instance, it's simple ignorance.
1: That that should be our new, That could be the, like the theme of our podcast: <laughs> hypocritical <laughs> ignoratists, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. if I painted Jonathan Smith was robbed as the rightful coach of the year in 2019. I think it's remarkable how competent and stable the coaching staff he assembled has been, including maybe the best offensive line coach in the league and Jim Michael Zirk. I don't know what his name is. And Tim <laughs> Tibasar What the heck is that name? I'm like Michalczyk? Movie.
0: Michalczyk, I'd say.
1: I'd go with that. Michalczyk. And uh, Tim Tibisar as defensive coordinator who engineered one of the biggest year-over-year defensive improvements in the history of the s Plus. Did they give an award for that? I don't
0: think so, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, otherwise he would have got it. Uh, And, of course, Washington's offensive ineptitude since he left for the job speaks uh, to how much Smith meant to that team as a play caller. I think that's the line that meant the most to Hitler Day. I don't think he would be complimenting the Oregon State coach unless he was was somehow taking a a dig at Washington. Uh, What do you boys think of the proposition that Smith has one of the top three coaching staff situations in the conference going into next season along with Utah and Oregon uh, as a recap here are the other nine. okay so this is top three coaching staff situations
0: <laughs> the way he read, the way he writes the first one just made me chuckle. Let's okay read it.
1: Arizona Stanford and UCLA have useless staffs who should all be fired Co <laughs> okay that's fine. Colorado and Wazoo are on their first year that's yes. Uh, ASU and Cal have new play callers on both sides of the ball. True. Uh, but I, I would say in the Cal situation, the defense is going to be, that's just moving, you know, shuffling around. It's not like they brought in a whole new system or anything. Yeah. Um, offensively, yes. Washington has a brand new head coach and a questionable OC hire. Isn't yep. that yeah, fair? And USC has Hilton, yes. Also very fair. Uh, if I were Beavers fans, I wouldn't trade staffs with any of them. Do you agree? 100%.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you're an Oregon state fan, you have to be really optimistic about, uh, the way things are trending, um, to now have one of the better offenses in the league and to see the improvement the defense made this past year. Um, even if it's, even if it's just treading water this season because of, you know, obvious losses, um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Oregon state's in really good shape. And I think I made the same argument for Jonathan Smith should have been uh, coach of the year in 2019. Yeah. I think we uh, talked
1: about that. I thought yeah. so.
0: Yeah. At least we brought it up.
1: I mean, I think it's, I mean, I like the Cal staff. Uh, there was some change there. I mean, ASU Herb Edwards I think has done a good job. I mean, there's definitely some, like you said, there's some moving parts, uh, Washington. He's not going to give him credit, but you know, I, we don't know. I mean, it's Jimmy Lake. It's, He's a brand new head coach.
0: It's an unknown. It's just an unknown. You yeah. can be optimistic about Jimmy Lake and and think that you know John Donovan's going to do a good, pretty good job, but um, you just don't know. Oregon uh, State, you've got a lot of known quantities. Now. Yeah,
1: and if I and I actually now for the first time like Clay Helton's staff, so I like the what he's put together. It's who, taken five who, years. Who, Whose staff? Well, does here's the thing. This would be Jonathan Smith's coaching staff, like. You don't bring Clay Helton, right? You just bring the staff.
0: You know, if I were a Beavers fan, I wouldn't trade staffs with any of them. Oh, so I thought he was Smith talking about John. on the coaching staff. Oh, okay, so All right. Then. Gonna... Yeah, yeah,
1: that's fine. Then I, w- I wouldn't do that. But if you're no. talking just like assistants, I like what they've put together.
0: Which um, which co- which uh, fan bases in the league would trade for Clay Helton as their head coach right now? Not right. Arizona. OK, Ar- maybe Arizona. Because they're
1: you got on the way out.
0: I, I don't even know if Arizona would. I'm, I'm asking. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't think anyone would.
0: Honestly, from like a, an optics play, I think UCLA might, if only because it would be easier for them to make the make the uh, decision to fire a Clay Helton than it is to make the decision to fire a Chip Kelly. So yeah,
1: they could get rid of. From a Machiavellian
0: standpoint, oh, if we're gonna fire a guy, it's an easier—that's an easier name to fire.
1: And and I'm still, if UCLA has to fire Chip Kelly, I'm not going to go. Shame on you, UCLA! What a terrible hire. You hired. Well, there will be a lot
0: of people who will.
1: There will, but I'm like, you—you hired the person everybody wanted. You know, like, say you need to get your house painted, and someone told you David Woods is the best house painter. In 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 Georgia, first you like,
0: shouldn't listen to that person, obviously.
1: <laughs> and so you hire David Woods to paint your house, and he sucks at it. It's like, well, you know, that's the guy you're not getting fired for. The one that everyone gave raid reviews for. Everyone knew was going to do an amazing job. Everyone's like, yeah, this this guy, your house is going to be amazing. Uh, if it doesn't work out, like, I don't think you blame. I don't blame. You know, UCLA Boosters, Dan Guerrero, I don't blame any of those guys. I thought
0: you were getting at something different, which is I think there will be a lot of negative pub no matter when UCLA fires Chip Kelly because I think he still has a lot of national media types in his corner. Um, Oh,
1: I get what you're saying. So
0: (laughs) I think there will be people who say, oh, wow, they didn't give him enough time or UCLA didn't have enough resources for him um, or some other cockamamie excuse about like UCLA couldn't get enough talent for him or something like that. I think that's because – I think a lot of people um, bought the myth of Chip Kelly a long time ago, and they're not willing to concede on that. I I bought the myth of Chip Kelly, and it's not working. I mean, I, I – So did I. I bought it completely, and then I watched what it looked like for two years.
1: I don't know if you know this, but I was doing some research. He hasn't won an out-of-conference game yet. Like, not
0: one.
1: <laughs> like – is that crazy? Like I, I should publish that. Like I don't even. know if Even with different.
0: even with those bowl games, even if you're counting the bowl games,
1: <laughs> yeah, even counting
0: the bowl games. Weird. Exact same record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, it's fun. But if it took
1: an hour to go through two questions. That's probably not good. Yeah, One really, of them's hit the we're, day. We're, so that.
0: we are. We had we had like seven minutes on red delicious today. I mean, yeah. we're not we're. <laughs> we are not rolling normally uh, like
1: give me a tight three minutes on red delicious apples not like you know go for 10 like it's we probably could have tightened that up a
0: gotta little. tell you horace from want face mask uh he's a dirty liar he said he found us on instagram we don't have a goddamn instagram horace spam- we don't but maybe
1: uh oh wait oh this is like a
0: no it's a spam email
1: oh crap i thought it was like a real email i'm okay.
0: being funny oh um <laughs> not not really funny yeah, we're not on Instagram. We should have an Instagram. No, we shouldn't. All right, here's Oz. Hi. Hi, guys. I've got a hypothetical question for you to half-ass or punt. Uh, if all head coach positions in college football were vacant and the Pac-12 got to fill their head coach positions first, who would you pick? Now, I would like the best fit for the school, not the all the best coaches in the nation. You can use scheme, personality, or some other metric to justify your reasoning. Money isn't an option, or I think he's money isn't a factor. For example, you could pick a cheater for USC, Lumberjack for OSU. Look forward to hearing your answers. Also, keep up your guys' good work. If you answer this question to my satisfaction, I will write a mediocre review. Go Cougs.
1: Thanks, Oz. Jeez, um, that's going to be tough. That
0: is a tough one. Well, because I think already, like, Stanford has the perfect coach for Stanford, right? Yeah. David Shaw, you know, aloof. Very well educated, very smart, kind of a dick, like perfect, right? Yeah. Let's see. Uh,
1: but you got to get someone else. There, like, would you just would you take him?
0: No, I think he's no, I think he's the number one pick for Stanford, and I don't think there's a close second. Okay. Think of another uh, football coach who's even remotely in the same vicinity of David Shaw, with, with those qualities in mind uh yeah is the most uh red and white checkered tablecloth wine sipping dude i've ever seen he is stanford
1: (laughs) um let me see there was a ranking uh cbs just did a ranking of head coaches let me try to find it that might be a good starting position um let me see there's a list of them hopefully they have some kind of list i don't see a freaking list great uh let's see here we go cbs did this so we'll start we'll go with the uh you gotta like load the page what is,
0: this? <laughs> is this too difficult to do right now it's a
1: maybe a little just trying to see this isn't working for me for some reason i got up to 26 and now like it's not uh going any further
0: Maybe it's too difficult to do right now.
1: It might be too difficult to do right now. Um. So you wouldn't. So, okay, anyone, let's go with this. Any Pac-12 ones that you'd want to stay with their current head coach outside of Stanford? I, 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 think,
0: I think Stanford makes sense. And I think you could make a case that Kyle Whittingham is the most Utah guy possible. Like, I don't think you're finding somebody who's more Utah. Okay. But um, other than that. I think you can make cases. Okay. Like for oh. USC, who's the who's the You know, oh, you low-carity. go. Urban Meyer. I think you go Urban Meyer, USC. Like no, 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 no. I think there's a man we've been talking about a lot on this show who gets a return trip to USC. Not, not, that's. Who fits the last 20 years of USC football better than Lane Kiffin? He should get another run.
1: He should get another run. Sure.
0: <laughs> Get another trip through. See You're, how it that's goes. That's not who you
1: would pick. Like, that's not – this is, like, who you'd want. Um,
0: Wait, is that – no, no, no. This is all about fit. It's all about fit.
1: Yeah, I think Urban Meyer would be the best
0: fit there. Oh, God.
1: You don't See, think so? See, you know,
0: this is what he said. Now, I would like the best fit for the school, not the all the best coaches in the nation. Right. So, the best fit for the school is Lane Kiffin. There's no, no question about
1: this. They, they already fired him. That would be like saying Rick Neuheisel is the best fit for UCLA. No, but that
0: makes him an even better fit for USC. What's more chaotic than rehiring the guy you tarmacked?
1: That would be more entertaining. I don't know if, like, this if you're talking— about USC Are we football
0: going- in the last 20 years. We're not talking about USC football from, like, the 1960s. You know, this is not a program of excellence. This is a program of chaos. What is more chaotic than hiring Lane Kiffin?
1: Uh, no, that would be the most chaotic.
0: That would be the most USC in the modern era.
1: Yeah. You could go Orgeron. Not as chaotic.
0: He's a winner now.
1: But you get the redemption. Like he gets the, he gets a second chance.
0: It's not chaotic. You got to go chaos.
1: (laughs) No, there's no, the the word chaos does not show up in in, uh, awesome. That's all about the
0: fit. He's a perfect fit for what USC is right now.
1: All right. Yeah, I think we're going to go down. a. So what what are you going to hire for UCLA then? Um, like what is the, what is the, the defining, uh,
0: the defining adjective. attribute of UCLA Yeah, um, depressing losing who loses <laughs> in the most depressing manner.
1: I think you bring Carl Durrell back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carl might actually be better now. We don't know. I, I think that's too much of an unknown. I think you got to go like, um, I don't know who who's, who's a depressing loser. Um. Hmm. What's a depressing losing program?
1: Tom um, Herman. It's not losing, though, but he's just, he's like a depressing guy. Tom Herman? He's just, he's kind of like, I don't know. He's
0: just kind of, de- it's just, it's like he brings it, it brings you down. No, it's got to, I think if you're going for fit at UCLA, it's got to be somebody who is out of work, who's, was never very good in the first place. He was just trying to find another job. Um all right, Mike Sherman. Mike Sherman is uh he's a he's he's my ideal fit for the next UCLA football coach. All right.
1: What okay you know? what about Herman at Cal? Because he's like a Mensa guy. Uh so he's smart. He's kind of abrasive. I don't know. Like what do you think?
0: Sure. He's a California guy too. Yeah. Um, this is gonna be so hard. This is way too hard. I let's let's go Scott Frost at at Stanford. No, we've already got David Shaw. We've already got that one locked
1: up. All right. Okay. Fine. Uh, so we got Kiffin at SC. Um, why don't we do Jeremy Pruitt at Colorado? Because sure. Because they already did like the whole. Saben defensive coordinator thing, and they didn't get a chance to like see how that would finish, so you could go that way.
0: And he kind of resembles a buffalo a little bit. He's kind of a big dude. Yeah. Um. Or maybe he just looks big because he's got a bald head. Maybe. Uh
1: let's see. How about the dude? Do you think Washington State and Chris uh Kleeman, the 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 dude that was at uh Was it North Dakota State?
0: I think that'd be a pretty good fit. Yeah.
1: I like that. Ooh, can we put Les Miles somewhere?
0: You know, Les Miles always strikes. He strikes me as very Arizona. Les Miles to Arizona. I like it. Okay. How about Dino Babers to ASU? That seems like a run and gun fun time. I think that would be kind of fun. Then who's taking Washington? Somebody with a little bit of, little bit of unearned arrogance, A little bit of earned arrogance.
1: Manny Diaz, you could mm. do like the Miami thing in the Pacific Northwest to go against Oregon.
0: I don't know about that. <laughs> I
1: don't know about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know trying to think who would be what about like Mike Leach <laughs> Jim
0: Jim Harbaugh oh yeah I could go there a little bit of crazy there too there's a little crazy yeah what uh, the hell let's go Jim Harbaugh I don't know I like it feels good
1: so we have the Washington schools uh, we have Cal Stanford we, we need the Oregon schools right Mm hmm. How about David Cutcliffe from uh, Duke going to Oregon State?
0: Sure. What the
1: hell? That'd this be kind is, of fun.
0: This is hard
1: to do. It's, it's not easy. Like, first of all, you got to think of other coaches and then you have to think. No, of no, what...
0: no. I'm going to give uh, Oregon State Ken Nyamata
1: Oh, I like that. My, awesome. my once in
0: future pick for Oregon State. Um, okay. And then Oregon. Is that the last one?
1: Oh, we haven't done uh, Utah and Colorado either. Oh, no, no, we, we, did, no, we, we didn't did do Utah, Utah
0: and Colorado.
1: Wait, who did we say for Utah? Uh,
0: Kyle Whittingham.
1: Okay. All right. Wait, we didn't do Utah yet, but we... we yes, but he, we did. He's perfect.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Okay. So Oregon.
0: Who's the most Nike-ass coach out there?
1: Do you want to just go save it or something?
0: Yeah. Nick Saban. Nike as
1: hell. So we, I feel like Oregon's the one we actually gave. a. Oh, well, there's some we gave some real coaches to, but I mean, obviously you get Saban. He might, he's probably the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's a pretty good one.
0: No, that was all right. That was awful.
1: Well, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job with it. It was not that easy, but I think we did. Uh, hopefully. Um, but thanks. Also, you owe us a mediocre review unless you didn't like our answers. Uh, all right. This is from Chris and soul. Uh, Korea has some lessons learned from playing before an empty stadium. Oh, this could be really good. Uh, caught up on your pandemic pods. Keep up the work. Ryan is great. And David talks, uh, <laughs> fair <laughs> Korea has recently started pro baseball and soccer. albeit without live fans. Uh, if I had to wager right now on how the college football 2019 season plays out, I'd put my money on empty stadiums. i kind of am agreeing with Chris here. Mm-hmm. Um, in the uh, in the spirit of international cooperation, if you would be so kind as to pass on to Champagne Larry, well, the truth is we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll <laughs> large, right? But- an early takeaway from Korean soccer. I haven't seen soccer like I've I've watched some of the Bundesliga. Like, uh, I don't like soccer, but I watched some of that because I just wanted to watch something live. And I, 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 But I haven't seen even the Korean baseball. You, you probably not have watched any of that, right? Not a bit. Yeah, not a bit. Uh, I didn't even realize Korean soccer was going. I just knew the baseball. Cardboard cutouts are too amateurish. Uh, everyone wants to see a reasonable facsimile of human faces on their TV screens. Accordingly, FC Seoul contracted out for mannequins at their new, quote, uh, I'm sorry, at their, quote, home opener. Uh, In a turn worthy of the Pac-12 network, the soccer club did not bother to provide any guidance to the contractor. The contractor found that conventional mannequins are hard to pose in seats and are reluctant to bring in uh, ad revenue. Uh, In a stroke of an unwoke innovation, they found a hack. Blow up sex dolls. More lifelike and just like pre-corona days, it allowed the camera to pan the audience. Where were bre- uh, when there were breaks in the action. Each doll carried a paid uh, placard for a webcam artist who supposedly resembled the doll. No, I'm not making this up. I did he- read about this. Uh, this leads me, uh, let's leads to my question. What can the Pac-12 teams do to improve the game experience if we have a season without live fans? Also, I know that you have exhausted your knowledge of U.S. presidents several times over. In your opinion, who was the best Roman emperor? Oh, God. Uh, Chris from Seoul.
0: All right. Do we want to handle the first question first?
1: Yeah, I did hear about this and I didn't know that it was like a contractor trying to like make it more lifelike. So that's why they got sex dolls. But um, that that's pretty funny. I don't get the whole like everyone knows there's no fans. I don't I don't think it helps to, to me. The visual doesn't really matter. It's more like I can't hear anything like you want. you usually have that something. The, the fans tell you what's going on. They get the first down or whatever it is. Um to me, it's more about the sound than the what I see.
0: Yeah, I think so with football. Um, if and when we get to basketball season, it's going to be a little bit weirder because I don't basketball. You really kind of do need to see the crowd like it kind of does add a lot to it. The football TV angle, you're not seeing a whole lot of crowd typically anyway. Um, but the basic angle on basketball, you are seeing a ton of crowd. So not having it will be kind of weird. Um, but I don't think you need to do over much to compensate it visually. I think you do need to compensate it for it, um, from a sound perspective. So maybe they could, I don't even know how you'd do it, pipe in some fans, like just pipe in like people in the comfort of their own homes, like just kind of ambient noise in the background. I don't know, but it will be weird if it's just silent, it'll feel like a spring game, which I know you'll love. I'll love, I know you will love yeah. that about the football season. That every game feels like a just a completely useless scrimmage in April. Uh, but for most people out there, uh, they won't like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the sex doll thing is fun. It's an interesting thing. I didn't know it was the contractors and all that kind Maybe of stuff. Maybe
0: just I people think. people having sex in the stands. Yeah. Like, instead of going sex doll, just go sex people. Nice. There you go. Um, um, then, all right. Who was the best Roman emperor?
1: It's like Marcus Aurelius, maybe. I don't really know many Roman emperors. Marcus
0: people. Aurelius is probably my top two. Uh, really? Oh, I, hey. I go just because I know one. I, it's one of Augustus, um, who was the first Roman emperor, or or Marcus Aurelius for me. Some will make a claim for Hadrian. Some will make a claim for Trajan.
1: Yeah, Trajan, I think is. I've I've heard that one.
0: Yeah, He's to be yeah, good, he right? was the one who kind of pushed everything to its fullest extent. Um, And then Hadrian, obviously, he did Hadrian's Wall, but a lot lot of other public works, he was pretty cool, too. Marcus Aurelius, obviously, was a bit of a philosopher king, um, which I think is a good uh, model um, for future, you know, even presidents. Um, Pretty moderate guy in general, wasn't, you know, ordering a bunch of executions and that sort of stuff, and also wasn't, you know, going to war willy-nilly. Augustus was the most badass of the bunch, though, Um, you know, conquering— and uh, building an empire, and also um, was very generous with funding public works. So I'd probably go Augustus, and then Marcus Aurelius.
1: Who was the uh, who was uh, leading the, the the show when everything came crashing down?
0: I mean, there's a few guys because Rome went through a few different periods. I mean, you've got your you've got your Commodus, who was uh, famously somewhat memorialized in Gladiator, um, and he was pretty bad, um, and. There's also, but like, I mean, it, it's kind of. Did he follow of,
1: Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, but, he, he yeah, came yeah, right okay. after
0: Marcus Aurelius. And okay. he's kind of it's considered to be the one who started the downfall. Um, because he was such a piece of crap. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, hey, good stuff. Um, yeah. I like that. Uh, I don't know. I probably know less about. Roman Emperors. Uh you know
0: less about it now than you did then.
1: No, i, I know a little more now. That's fine. I oh. did I forgot about uh gladiator. So there's you know, there, you know, you get a little reference there.
0: Shane's not letting it go. I gotta read this thing about Tiger King.
1: Oh, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna check out for a bit. I'll i No, you
0: you've got to participate in this one because I still haven't watched the damn show. Okay. You ready? <laughs> Tigris Rex. Fellows, I only write in a couple times a year. This is from our man Shane. But I took that guy's suggestion that we should do this specific activity as a personal call to arms, and I had to learn Latin to do this, so here it is. Pac-12 schools as Tiger King characters. Uh, ASU is Doc Antle. Is that how you pronounce it?
1: I think so. It's been a couple weeks, you know.
0: Somehow they've managed to sell a giant scam where they migrate a parade of innocent girls from the Midwest to a sweaty, miserable climate to do God knows what. They come in wide-eyed talking about how much they love cats, but they inevitably end up in a snuff film on the internet or serving margaritas somewhere.
1: So he was the guy, so when they're introducing everyone, there was like the Tiger King guy, uh, Joe Exotic, and then they were showing like, so he's, the the main thing was he was feeding tigers for like $3,000 a year. They go to the doc and he's feeding them for like 10,000 a year. So it looks like, okay, this is a guy that's having tigers in a zoo, but he's really taking care of them. And then you kind of realize like, He's bringing in these like young, innocent girls. They're part of his harem and they don't pay them. And it's like, yeah, so it's so it's just the the, the brilliance of this is how you introduce people and you think they're going to be like the savior. And then they're they're a bigger jerk.
0: Arizona is James Gerritsen. They want to be Doc Antle so bad, but they traded all the girls, the polygamy cult and hunky magic show costumes for a jet ski. Enjoy living in Tucson, eating EGs and running your weird home goods lemurs story. A kooks.
1: So I think this was the guy that was like the whistleblower for the FBI and he's heavy set with like a bowl haircut and just, he's kind of looked like, like Chris, the son from uh, family guy, um, just seems like a sleazy, but like sort of has money, but maybe doesn't kind of weird guy. And there's like the best scene is him coming in on a jet ski, just not looking good.
0: Okay. Uh, and then he says, as a parenthetical, remember when that guy said Cal might win 10 games in 2017, a Cal team that would go 2-7 and seven in conference? Wasn't he subsequently hired by a major newspaper to be their sports editor? That ruled. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Cal is that kid who worked at Walmart and also ran a gubernatorial campaign. They seemed smart relative to the rest of this fail squad, but it's clear they have no idea what the political positions they're espousing even mean. Everybody else is just getting high. They're getting high, rambling about political theory and oozing their own self-importance it's exhausting also they're broke he's a, one of my favorite characters
1: though like he really was uh, i mean he he watched a guy get shot right in front of shoot himself like one of the idiot joe exotic husbands who wasn't gay he had a couple husbands that weren't gay they were just being taken care of was like playing with a gun said oh it can't fire if the magazine isn't in not realizing there could be a bullet in the chamber there was a bullet in the chamber and he killed himself uh, right in front of this kid
0: so yeah colorado's carol baskin's new husband about 10 years ago they somehow ended up in a marriage that will undoubtedly leave them broke unsatisfied and probably dead but for whatever reason they seem nice and gen- <laughs> genuinely excited to be there
1: <laughs> so carol so carol killed her first husband it's not a fact well it's a fact um and this is the guy that's like you know, married to her now, so you're just wondering what's going to happen to this dude. Uh, so, Colorado. Uh, I, I could see that. I like that.
0: Oregon is Jeff Lowe. They didn't play a significant part for most of the story, then dropped in out of nowhere, flashing cash, sweet bedazzled outfits, and leaving a trail of crimes in their wake. <laughs> this <is> so good. <laughs> eventually, everybody finds out the mansions and girls are leased, and somehow and somebody ends up in jail. Anyway, sick facial hair, bro. I mean, perfect. Like, yeah. Shame. You know, win the Pulitzer for that. Okay. <laughs> Oregon State is that guy Mario that was the inspiration for Scarface. They were super badass one time, and I think we all got excited and were like, oh, this is going to be so cool, but it turns out his model wasn't sustainable. There were some shady folks from Miami, a lot of cocaine happened, and a chainsaw is involved for some reason.
1: Um, so is the guy Mario? I don't remember who this is. That was an inspiration for Scarface, so I feel bad, but I like his description. I think it it meets there.
0: Stanford is Carol Baskin's dead husband. Uh, Seemed to be successful and fairly smart, but connected themselves with a bunch of hapless lunatics. Could disappear suddenly, and nobody would notice for years. Seems like we're (laughs) all kind of just living off their name and money at this point. Also had a tiger (laughs) once.
1: Yeah, so this was the the dead. He wanted to divorce her, and then he ended up uh, dead. Well, he's gone, and I, everyone's talking about that she killed him, and I I agree she
0: did. UCLA is Shaq. They've sort of become a cartoon of themselves. It's easy to forget how good they really were at basketball at one point. Wait,
1: so what was there? I'm I'm blanking on the Shaq in the show.
0: Was so, he is buying it, a tiger? I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. So it, right. It's. We should have read this two weeks ago when the the story was more fresh in my mind. But
0: yeah, all right. sorry, my bad. USC is Carol Baskin, fleecing an endless line of white people for their money and selling them on the idea that the money is going to some good cause. It's all a grift, kids. Enjoy your time in the lush beauty of the scenic private profer- property. When you leave the gates, you're right back. When you leave the gates, you're right back in the shithouse house swamp, and they took all your cash for a couple Instagram likes.
1: <laughs> nice, yeah. So I. I I think this works. Uh, yes. Carol is, you think she's the one that's like the, she's the one that's with the, you know, environmental protection agency. She's protecting the cats when she has like basically the exact same thing that the other guys have. They have a zoo that they're getting, making a bunch of money off of. So it's sort of like the, you know, Oh, we're, you know, I, this is this wonderful cause, but she's actually taking all your money as well and, and doing better at it than the other guys did.
0: Utah is Alan Glover. This one's easy. They're quiet. They're quiet, but they'll body you. If we ever need somebody to drive into the south to murder somebody, it's going to be them. The rest of us have all proven to be completely incapable of doing it.
1: Yeah, he was like a heavy in this one, so yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I like that.
0: <laughs> uh, Washington is Joel McHale. Showed up suddenly, for some reason, all confident and cocky, intent on reminding you that Joel McHale is a thing that exists. Every time they appear on screen, it's the most miserable, <laughs> unwatchable part of the show, and we change the channel. <laughs>
1: uh, so, Joel McHale did the eighth episode, so he basically interviewed all the people that were like, can't believe they're famous now. <laughs> um, and I watched it, and it was, yeah, it was a little weird. I mean, it was like, it was socially distant, it was everyone was on their, like, you know, their iPod, their... Earbuds were in, and they were on, like, an iPhone kind of camera and stuff. It was very strange.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just like that it's a Washington fan writing that about. Right. (laughs) We like Um, (laughs) self-loathing. Washington State is Travis. Just leave them alone. They're not doing anybody any harm. They just want to be shirtless, get wasted, shoot guns, pop a few wheelies, and at some point you have a panicked flash of realization, oh, shit, I totally forgot they existed. We haven't actually heard from them. Wait, are they dead?
1: so i think travis is the husband that shot himself so this is good i like that yeah
0: and of course champagne larry is joe exotic an icon a man of luxury who oozes class and status a media executive that runs an amateur web streaming service that gets literally tens of dozens of views and has zero advertisers (laughs) a man who at one point pursued failed and was laughed out of his attempt to court oklahoma and would likely sing a song about himself at your funeral
1: he did. Oh my God. At his, at Travis's funeral. I think it's, hopefully it's Travis's right. He, he like sang a song that like was about himself and
0: not really about,
1: I mean, it was so weird.
0: remember when he brought the Washington rowing team to football media day because sports, <laughs> uh, that's it. I have no questions. Keep up the work. Your friend and compatriot Shane.
1: Well done Shane. So it almost makes me want to rewatch it. Does it make you want to watch it Dave or no? No, not, no. no, I'm, I'm not right in there. I've not been in a Netflix, Amazon. I haven't like started anything new. I feel like it's a, it's like getting into a relationship or something. Like, I like, Oh, if I got to start something new, then I got to finish it. You know? Um, I watched a couple of short ones, like some football related ones, like the, uh, Snoop coach Snoop. I watched that. I watched, um, last chance you, but I, I, I haven't started anything new and there's a bunch that I should watch. I just haven't been in the Netflix mood, I guess. I don't know. Have you or not really?
0: Um, I'm catching up on better call Saul. Okay. Yeah. I finished that. So I like that. Yeah, that's where um, I am.
1: All right. We got a question for the pod from Will in New York city, New York city, two quick questions. I guess it's not a, he said question for the pod in the subject, then throws us a loop and has two questions. So I, I'm not sure where to go with this, but he says one, <laughs> what is the most likely coaching scenario for USC and Old Miss when they meet in 2025? So he gives a couple of uh, scenarios here. A, USC head coach equals Helton, and Old Miss coach equals Kiffin. B, only one of those two coaches are still at their current schools. C, neither Helton or Kiffin is coaching at USC slash Ole Miss.
0: I'm pissed he didn't give us a D. Kiffin is coaching at USC, and Helton is coaching at Ole Miss. I
1: I, I was exactly where you are. Exactly. So I think that's that falls under C, because neither one – they're not. I know, but, but I
0: really want it delineated. I okay. want D out there.
1: <laughs> okay, so D. I, I'm going to go with D. I like D. D's a good option. D, D whips ass. We're yeah. going with D. I don't see Clay Helton being at USC much longer. The honest
0: answer for me is C. Neither one will be at their respective yeah. schools in 2020. I think
1: it's more likely that that Kiffin ends up around, I mean, it's his first year. So, I mean, but we've yeah, talked about no, Helton. We're demise. talking about
0: his sixth year.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hilton's demise has been talked about for years and it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know, but, but the best is D switch those two. So will we add an option for you? And then a second question, which I was not prepared for, is there, if, if some fans are allowed in stadiums this fall, how do you envision the tailgating and seating arrangements in and around stadiums? Do you think it will vary between regions, Bama, LSU versus USC, Washington? And I, I didn't get to read this. I saw a tweet about this today, Dave, where, if you do have limited capacity, you're talking about athletic departments now making some really tough calls. Um, are you only letting in the big boosters, the big donors? Are they the only ones that are allowed in? And then they're not all going to be in their good seats. Are you allowing some of those in? Now, I think some of this will be, some people don't want to go anyway. So you'll, they'll be, you'll, you'll be weeding out some of the people that just don't want to be there. But if it's going to be open, say like you're allowed 25000 in the Rose Bowl, How do you figure that out? Or if you're allowing 20,000 at Autzen Stadium, like how do you figure out which 20,000 get to go?
0: Yeah, it'll be by donation level, I'm sure. Um, And then some amount of them will be further auctioned off for prices. Um, At stadiums where it's in demand, I think at the Rose Bowl, they'll have trouble filling 25,000 seats. Um, Tailgating – I don't know. I, I, I think it depends on the area. I think USC, for example, can decide wherever the hell it wants because it owns all that area. Uh, but for like UCLA at the Rose Bowl, they don't they don't own the golf course or lot H or any of that stuff. So it'll be dependent on um, whatever the Rose Bowl commission that handles all that stuff. And I can't imagine they're going to want the liability. So I think it's going to be a park and go into the stadium type deal um, if they allow people there at all. Um, so yeah. I can't imagine tailgating is going to be a big thing that is allowed in many areas this fall, um, but I could be wrong. It's open air, um, but it's still a lot of drunk people carousing in close quarters.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that I I'm. My guess is when we get some more of this data, it's going to be like it's pretty hard to catch us outside. You know, if you're not like making out with somebody outside, just
0: it's pretty hard to catch us outside. Let's give it our best effort. Right.
1: Right. But then, you yes. But then, so it's good that it's hard to catch it outside, but when you're all drinking and then you make it more. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, But you might allow, I mean, it might be better to be out tailgating as opposed to being in a stadium where you could at least be out in the open air. I don't know. I mean, you're in the open air too. I I think
0: we're considering a hypothetical that's unlikely anyway. I don't think they're going to allow fans in the stadiums. Um, I think they might have a football season, but I don't, I'd be kind of stunned actually if they allowed fans in. Yeah,
1: I um, will we'll see. It's I'm kind of going with the like partial fans, but.
0: packing fans by the thousands into like limited entrances into a stadium area. I don't know, man.
1: Do you like find yourself public watching,
0: bathrooms? I don't yeah, know.
1: Yeah, watching like television shows or if you see like stuff that would wouldn't bother you at all, like you're like a bar, like a a band playing at a bar and everyone's like elbow to elbow. You're like, oh, that was a great band. It was great, and it's just like. You're like, ew, all those people are so close to each other. (laughs) You know, No, but
0: like I have like just changed my patterns. Like when I'm out for a walk and stuff, I don't even think about it. And I'll just like if I see somebody coming down the sidewalk towards me, I just like step out into the street. And that's where I'm walking now. You know, and it's just become kind of second nature on that respect. But no, I mean, I'm not I'm not even that I I, I'm not much of a germaphobe in the best of times. And even still now, I'm not really too much of it um i'm just thinking like on a broad scale like when they're thinking about the public health ramifications of having people in a stadium they're not going to want to have a bunch of people in a restroom right um especially these older stadiums where it's like you know (laughs) just people packed into tight quarters at a restroom um and public restrooms generally um poorly ventilated um you have to open doors you have to like you know, unless you're very careful, you're having to touch something, um, with,
1: and I think think a lot of the events that we do, like say you could just do the math and you're like, okay, we could have this many people in that space, but whatever it is, if it's a concert, if it's a restaurant, if it's a, you know, wherever you're going, there tend to be like areas of wherever you're doing, like everyone wants to be at for a particular moment. So like if everyone has to go to the bathroom now, because there's a break in the action or whatever, you, people will tend to like, gravitate to the same spot for different reasons you know it's not like wherever you go everyone's just gonna stay spread out the entire time like even in a stadium like you said like say every third seat's filled but uh, it's halftime where do you think everyone's gonna go everyone's gonna be in the aisles everyone's trying to get to the bathroom to go buy a hot dog or whatever um how do you deal with that so yeah those there's a lot of issues that you have
0: to deal with yeah the the bathroom math is gonna factor into a lot of stuff um because it's just We're not a society with a ton of public bathrooms generally. Um, And in those situations where you've got where you're packing tens of thousands of people into a stadium for whatever X number of bathrooms, you're going to have lines. You're going to have people waiting. And I know the the stats on the transmission says most of it's happening in home. Most of it's from sustained contact with people indoors. Um, So that's all well and good. Um, But we also have been doing most of the testing outside of situations that we're talking about reinstituting like, yes, there hasn't been a sustained amount of outdoor transmission. When did we stop having sporting events pretty early on in this whole thing? So we don't, it's one thing to say, yeah, it's not happening when people are going outside to the park. Will it happen when they're, you know, waiting in line for a bathroom for 10 minutes, you know, and it's just, Uh, we haven't we don't we don't have enough information on all that kind of stuff and um, it's going to be interesting what choices are made and which factors play into deciding whether or not to have fans back in the stadiums
1: do you know the remember the early tweet where you had the idiot spring breakers in florida like saying screw it they i mean they were all like just like it was normal was there a story that came out that like a bunch of them got sick or anything or do do we know
0: i didn't follow it at all um yeah. i know there was the the kid who was interviewed was just like no nah, i'm gonna go live my life and then he actually sent out a pretty heartfelt apology like a few days later
1: oh he did um, okay
0: yeah but i i don't know i mean the appearance of being irresponsible and all that kind of stuff i think a lot of people we are predisposed in this country to like blame individuals for like all these things. Cause so much is it's like basing everything on individual responsibility, but like kids being dumb, it's going to happen no matter what. Um, and I, I thought that whole thing was overblown.
1: Yeah. I think we got one more Dave.
0: All right. This is from Earl in Scottsdale podcast question. Possible college football contro- controversies in fall, 2020. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I was thinking about some wild controversies that could arise with all the uncertainty and changes that will need to go into place for college football this fall. Do either of you see any of these scenarios possibly playing out? A, testing cover-up. Ooh. If NCAA has each school do their own COVID testing, could you see a scenario where, let's say, an SEC team is prepping for the title game? Their QB tests positive the week of the game, but the school covers it up. Reports leak out that this happened after the game is played. They would... Uh, have so much liability at that point, you think they would do it, 100%?
1: I think so. Like, if you're asymptomatic, and you're, like, the quarterback, so... Yeah. I I could see that happening.
0: Rudy Gay is going to get run out of the NBA on a rail for doing basically the same thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think there's going to be so many there's going to be a lot of eyes on it first. So it'll be hard to do. But second, uh, there's so much potential liability there.
1: But could you do? Like, Oh, we thought it was a false positive and we ran another test and it was negative, you know, kind of thing. Sure. And you doctor the test basically. Maybe. So you, you have like, you have proof, like, I mean,
0: okay. All right. The question is, will they do it? Yeah, of course they'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) will they get caught? I think so, but will they do it? Yeah, they probably
1: will. That would be, I mean, I'm here for that. I'm here for that content. B
0: B, coach in isolation, head coach test positive. Could you see a scenario where they are coaching from an isolated location via zoom or quarantined in a suite somewhere in the stadium? Kind of like Hugh freeze. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. As
1: long as they were not sick. Um, if they test positive, but they're asymptomatic, so say it's someone like Kyle Whittingham who physically can't get sick, but he right. was tested positive. Then, yeah, I think he, he carries
0: all illness in his calves. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. So I think he could do that. Yeah. He might just um, yell from like a, a top of a mountain instead of like a zoom. He just would scream from a top of a mountain. And yeah.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. Um, have either of you thought about any other unique scenarios that could arise this fall?
1: I think that, I mean, the easiest one is just what if like four or five people get it on your team is your team done. I could see, you know, one guy gets it, you isolate or whatever you have the tracing and you try to figure out who he was in contact with. You have to test those people up the butt and not physically test them up the butt unless they come up with a good test. Maybe it's an up the butt test. I don't know, but I digress. Yes. I think if you get multiple people on the team. Say there's someone from like the offensive line, there's a defensive lineman and a couple of cornerbacks and, you know, a running back. It's like, well, what do you do? Like, you, I mean, every, like four position groups are touched. Um, you know, 5% of your team is sick. What, you know, what can you do at that point? So I, I think something like that, you might see a scenario where if enough people on a team get sick and it might not be that many, the team has to shut it down.
0: Yeah, I kind of think as soon as one person on a team gets sick, they're going to have to shut it down. Um, you can't
1: like you, you can't let it just one person. It, this can't it's be too the, I
0: mean, if you're talking about football, uh, unless it's like a specialist who doesn't interact with the rest of the team, I, I don't still know, think
1: you man. can shut down life because I mean, this has to be like a, we're trying to flatten the curve, sort of stuff. Not like eradicate it. It's not going to be eradicated. I don't think if you like you sniff what, you know, one case, then everything shuts down. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're gonna be able to go at all. Cause there's going to be a case or two here or there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, and if there's a case or two, I think they're going to probably shut it down. Wow. Um, you're the I pessimist, mean, man. No, I just, uh, I don't think there's like a whole lot of wiggle room here because it is still pretty infectious. Um, if somebody gets it more than likely somebody else on the team is going to get it. Um, if, I mean, we're talking about in-season, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I mean, but this could happen. I think it could happen at any time. Like, say, the activities come back in June, you know, and I know Utah's out there practicing and Alabama's out there practicing, but maybe, like, Cal and Stanford and USC and UCLA are not, or whatever, and then, like...
0: And a great what? way to guarantee that you don't eradicate a disease is to operate as if you can't eradicate a disease. Just... I know that's become a talking point, but you if you just again, I I know this is a a losing argument because it's obviously already lost. But if you just paid people to stay home everywhere for two months and they all just stayed home, you'd eradicate it. It can be eradicated. This is not it's just simple, like quantitative math. But we have no interest in doing that. So, yes, in your scenario, maybe they keep playing. I don't know. They probably shouldn't. It's probably irresponsible, but what else is new? No?
1: What um, I'm curious as far as like I maybe I'm being naive, but I think as a country we've done pretty well. Like
0: um, I mean, as as as, a, as as people we've done very well. No, yeah, as that's a absurd. country I'm not, I'm as not, a country we've been a massive failure.
1: I'm not saying I don't want to get any political bullshit. I'm just saying like as far as like the people were asked to like socially distant, you know, be distant, and it seems like for the most part that's happening. I'm sure that's a huge reason why the curve has been flattened and all that, but there's going to be institutional things where people stay home in a nursing home and they got sick, you know, um, or, you know, you're in jail and you got sick and cause you're in the, you're in jail, basically things like that. Like, it seems like that's where most of the cases are happening, but for the general population, it seems like we've done pretty well by staying home. It's just tough to ask people to stay home for longer than that. You know, it's like people are getting antsy.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, And it's almost like there should have been some sort of plan for what we were going to do while we were all staying home, how we were (laughs) going to knock it down, what staying home actually entails, how many people and who should have to stay home, how we're going to compensate people to make sure they stay home. Like all of these things maybe should have been figured out. Maybe there should have been better preparation for the nursing homes and prisons so that people aren't getting it and dying in droves in these locations. All of these things are things that could have been figured out, could still be figured out if we had any, any interest in doing so. But we don't. So yes, people generally, I think, have done a pretty good job of adhering to social distancing and all the jazz, at least to the extent that they have been told to do so. Yeah, um, I think in a lot of areas the institutions have failed. In most areas, the institutions have failed. Um, they failed to communicate properly what people should be doing, um, and so if if we had had any interest, we could have been like what South Korea is right now. Where let's let's take a look at where South Korea is right now. Hang on. So the United States right now has. Something on the order of two, let's see, hang on, let me get the exact number. We've got 1.6 million cases. Um, So on the exact same day, South Korea reported its first case, they have 11,000 cases. Um, Because they took it seriously from the jump, and they did a lot of stuff to make sure it was taken seriously from the jump. They had 263 total deaths. We are rapidly approaching 100,000. We've been an abject failure from the jump. Um, and it's, I don't think any individual person's fault. I think a lot of individuals have done a lot to make big time sacrifices, but we've, we've failed from a lot of institutional perspectives and that's, and I'm not being partisan. That's both sides of the equation. I think we've got a real, uh, failed States thing going on. Um, but the main thing, the main takeaway is a lot of countries have more or less, more or less eradicated it and not obviously killing the thing, but getting it down to such a point that you can do that contact tracing. We were talking about earlier because it is in such low numbers there that you can track the 20 people who get it today or the 30 people who get it tomorrow. Right. Yeah. We're nowhere close to that. And we're not going to be anywhere close to that because we're going to continue to open things back up because people are sick of it. Did we shut down enough to, to actually, make ourselves successful in beating this thing? No, we didn't shut down enough. We left many businesses classified as essential that weren't essential. Um, We've not had a hard lockdown really anywhere. I mean, people are still allowed to freely move around. If you talk about Italy, uh, I have a friend who's in Italy who was not allowed to leave the perimeter of her house for anything besides like basically letting her dog pee or poop outside.
1: Wow.
0: In China, they were literally bolting people in their homes. Now, maybe we would never do that, and maybe that's what we're talking about. The reality is you know, Americans just are not willing to do that, and that's fine. But talking about it as if it's just an axiomatic thing, that this could never be beaten, that this could never be eradicated, I think is silly. Yeah, of course it could.
1: I think Chris wrote us a couple weeks ago, and part of it's the culture, right? Like the New York culture, as far as everyone's crammed into buildings, you're in elevators together— um, you're on the subway together, LA it's spread out. You're not going into elevators. You have your individual places for the most part, you drive in your car instead of riding in a, a bus or a subway with somebody. It just, it's easier to get it in New York, I would think. But in, in Korea, yeah. he was saying that part of the culture is like wearing masks. is not a big deal. I think there's like, a
0: lot of, lot of factors that play into it. Yeah. Um, I think the density that you're talking about in New York is definitely part of it, but I think also, Um, if you want to hear the nonpartisan or uh, me just being a blanket hater of everybody, Cuomo and de Blasio completely fucked that whole thing up. Um, they decided not to lock down when everything was, well, de Blasio was trying to lock them down earlier, I guess. And then Cuomo pushed back on them because they've got a longstanding pissing contest. But whatever the case, San Francisco locked down, I think, a good four or five days earlier than New York City did. Well, San Francisco is a very dense city in the United States with, you know, pretty robust public transportation, but functionally nothing happened there. You know, they, I think it's something like 50 deaths in the entire San Francisco area. New York had 15,000. So that's not just density, that's political institutional decisions that were bad. Um, And it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but I think on the broad scale, when we look back at this, um, the U.S. is going to stand out in a really bad way. It already does, but it's going to stand out in a really bad way for major, like, across-the-board institutional failures. Yeah. All and right. it's not people. Like, people, I think, have done the best they can. Um, I think it's a, a complete lack of, of leadership at all levels.
1: Yeah. And I, I hate it when it gets – it. Be, everything becomes political – But I would say very early on where like, you know, Donald Trump and Gavin Newsom don't like each other, but I thought they worked together pretty well early on. It seemed like there was some good, you know, cooperation there, maybe not as much in New York and things. But, you know, there's it seems like when the politicians that don't see the same, you know, don't see eye to eye, they have different viewpoints work together, it seemed to work a little bit better to to fix things. So instead of because you put what's important there first, but I don't know, we probably dove in too much of that, but.
0: Yeah, eh, I mean I, it, it's you. everywhere. I mean it's not just New York. New York's 28,000 deaths. The US is 94,000. It's I mean it's a big chunk of it, but people are dying in the thousands in a ton of places. It's, yeah. This isn't like when you look at like go look at any other country, nobody else is dying at this scale. And yes, people are going to look at it from a per capita standpoint, which is probably a silly way to think of a pandemic. Um but w- nobody else is within 60,000 deaths of us, at least it's reported. Uh, China, you know, obviously they may be, but nobody's getting accurate numbers out of them, but
1: um, the UK yeah, closest the and 60,000 back. Do you feel like there's other countries that aren't reporting? I mean, outside of like, obviously China, like they've covered up a lot of stuff, but like, do you feel like that's a common thing and we're just putting all the numbers out there?
0: Uh, no, I, I mean, I think you're probably, I think everyone has a, a some degree of just failure to document. Um, which is not necessarily an intentional thing. Like when they're looking at the U.S., like a lot of people are looking at it from an excess deaths standpoint, because that might be the only way to eventually judge this, which is how many people are dying over the expected amount for this time of year. And the excess deaths for the U.S., it's something more like 120,000 right now. So within, you know, a ballpark of where we are. Uh, the U.K., it's probably something more like 20,000 on top of the 35 that are dead right now, and so on and so forth. The ones that I think are probably going to end up being outliers, that might might be lack of documentation. But Iran, um, it's been there for a really long time, and for only 7,000 to be dead, uh, that was one that got cited early as potentially doctoring things. And then obviously Russia and China, um, you know. Russia's you know, starting to that their death toll is starting to climb, but it wouldn't be a shocker if they were doctoring stuff as well. um but I think by and large, most of the countries are trying to report it as honestly as they can. and um it's just this, you know it's a it's a weird infectious disease that has a lot of symptoms. so and also the testing was such a fiasco for such a long time that it was hard to confirm yeah, so i don't I don't think it's a lot of countries doing it intentionally. I think it's just you know, fog of war type stuff.
1: So I didn't think we were going to make it to two hours, but then we got a last second email from uh, Santa Barbara Larry. So I think we're going to get to two hours. Oh, yeah. Uh, important stuff, he says. So we I go, we got to read it now because it's important stuff. Uh, hey, Dave and Ryan, Santa Barbara, Cal fan, Larry here. Great job in general. And on the Zoom, keep up uh, the Californium work. Uh, Californium?
0: It's, a, it's it? one of the made up elements.
1: Oh, Californium. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I would say uh, sterling work, but Californium goes for twenty seven million a gram, whereas sterling silver goes for forty six cents a gram. Is that? I don't even think I've ever heard of that. Well, that's very cool. Okay, ever uh, heard of
0: Californium? I don't think so. It's one of the the weird radioactive elements that they invented in the fifties. Oh, and they named it after us. Yeah, I like. There's it. a bunch of them. There's a what's the other? There's a twenty seven yeah,
1: million ones. a gram. Yeah, hey, man. That's seems excessive.
0: Well you can probably build a bomb out of it.
1: Probably build a lot of stuff. Yeah. I was it for 27 million a gram. Holy cow. Uh and ask our Stanford friends why there is no Stanfordium on in the the periodic chart. Boom. <laughs> Did Cal oh because Cal yeah must have been developed. It's also the Cal name of the
0: university. Yeah.
1: Ah, uh, okay. See, this is all of Larry, you're over my yeah. head already. Sorry. Plus worry the two hour mark. Uh, question for you. Cal established the dreaded uh, committees to assess fall class options. What would you recommend? Okay, so he gives us three scenarios. First one, continue with full remote instruction and uh, predominantly remote work being done uh, in the operations and research realms. So that would be Zoom classes. And even if you're like doing labs, you got to do it away from the university. Two, is in-person operations resume with limits, restrictions imposed by public health authorities. And three, campus operations largely return to normal, mostly in-person, but whereas, uh, wherever possible, will accommodate students, staff, researchers, instructors who need or prefer to operate remotely due to continuing pandemic conditions. If you polled the students and faculty, how do you think they would vote? And he said, I'm a scenario two or three guy which by sheer coincidence gets us fall football. I just find the current approach utterly on unsta- sustainable, uh, unless public debt is free and unlimited money. Uh, what happens if we get, uh, if we have another pandemic next year? Uh, that's, so let's go with that. Um, okay. which scenario are you partial par- <sighs> to?
0: What would I recommend? Um, uh, Probably two with a lot of flexibility built in that you might have to go back to number one.
1: I'd probably be three, go to two. But I think I think students would go three and faculty would probably go two.
0: Yeah, I think for faculty, I don't know how much it matters to them. I mean, if I am remember, I mean, so professors full professors i think they would prefer number one because it's just given the same boring lecture over zoom uh, but i think for like tas and stuff it might be better to do in person um for like discussions and that sort of stuff yeah. so it'd be a mixed bag i think students are, i don't know what the feel on it is right now if they're enjoying remote learning or not Um, but I think they'd want to get back with their friends and that sort of thing. And then kids think they're invulnerable. So, uh, yeah, they'd probably want two or three. Um, but I think realistically they're going to have to, everybody's going to have to prepare for the idea that there is another, uh, peak of this thing in the fall, um, which might require going back to full-time remote.
1: Yeah. So I, two is probably the most likely I would guess where there's going to be compromises.
0: They'll start with two. Um, I think, and then, um, Potentially have to move to one. Yeah.
1: And he says, finally, regarding the dreaded committees, remember why Winston Churchill hated committees? I put my bravest Army, Navy, and Air Force commanders on a committee, and all I get is a sum of their fears. Cheers, Santa Barbara Larry. Hmm. I don't remember that quote either. So do you remember that's that? That's
0: a good one? one. That's a pretty good one, though. Yeah. I, like I don't it. know if it's not, I don't know if that's my experience with meetings, committees. Yeah. But is that, that's just a meeting held many times, right? Well, I think because it's something
1: that's created. So like, say you, you know, he had to go to, you're going to go to war. Let me, I'm going to make a committee instead of Winston Churchill make a decision. He makes a committee of all his commanders. And then the the Navy people tell you why it's going to be tough to, you know, whatever, get this port. And the army people are going to tell you why it's hard to invade this or, you know, like, I get it. So everyone's going to have their own concerns going into it. And that's what he's saying. You're getting out of it. That's my guess of this. Having not heard that quote before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. know I get the quote. I'm just saying, I don't know if that's my understanding of how, uh, you know, those things work. Like, are you just coming up with the negative scenarios ever?
1: Um, I think it's more of a, maybe This because it's a create, like if you're, the general comes up with whatever he needs to do. But when it's a committee, that's not a norm. Like, I'm thinking it's more of a temporary thing. Like, bring these people together and let's figure out a big problem.
0: But yeah, you're but you're to figure you could out be a thinking problem. about a solution, too. It sounds like Winston, our boy Winston, is being too much of a negative Nelly here. Okay. Right? He's got to inspire his guys For you to come to up say with that. solutions. For you to say that. I'm a solutions-oriented guy. You're like scenario one. Scenario one. Look, uh, because that's an actual solution to our problem. Look, if you guys just want to kick this can down the road for another seven years with, like, half a percent or one percent of people dying of this stupid thing every year that could be easily preventable if we all just, like, sat on our hands and actually got paid money, that's fine. I'm a positive thinker. (laughs) I think we, humanity, can actually figure this shit out. But it seems like everyone has decided we have major limitations on our, like, patience or whatever. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to end up going to number two, and then we'll probably sit around at number two too long, and then we'll have to go back to number one.
1: Let's just go full three, moving forward. No, I'm just kidding. All
0: right. Yeah, let's I just think... see how many professors we can kill. <laughs> Hell yeah. Is that too dark? Is that too dark for the end of the dark. show? Yeah, yeah, that's probably a little dark. Oh, that's
1: like okay. It's a two-hour mark. What are you going to do? Uh, all right. That is uh, David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for hanging with us for two hours. Uh, thanks for leaving those reviews. Uh, after listening for two hours, we're not going to ask you again for a review because you've 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 done enough. You've listened to the whole show. You've you done don't enough. need we to review it.
0: us after this show.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe rethink your review until maybe next show. Uh, yeah. Not that next show would be much better. Um, sure. All right. Well, that's David. I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.